From member-supported CPR News, this is Purplish, a show about Colorado politics and democracy. I'm Megan Verlee, and I was not supposed to introduce this episode. Heck, I am taping this at home on my phone. You see, the problem is Benta, Andy, and our guest Seja Hindi from the Denver Post recorded their conversation Thursday evening. They talked all about coronavirus and how it might force the legislature to suspend work. And then, of course, just as we're about to release it on Friday, lawmakers decided to do exactly that. The state legislature now plans to adjourn after wrapping up last-minute work on Saturday and be out for at least two weeks. Listen on to get more context about how we got to this point, some of the questions it raises, and what it means for the whole political situation here in Colorado. So without further ado, here's this week's Purplish. Before we talk about coronavirus, we're going to look at some of the bills being discussed at the state capitol that aren't related to coronavirus. Great. <laughs> and uh, these are measures receiving the most clicks on the state legislative website. Hot bills. Hot bills. Hot bills. One of the first ones that we noticed this week was the secure storage of firearms. Could you guys guess possibly what that is? This is one of those titles where it is pretty easy to guess. Sometimes we don't there. have that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would essentially, it would require gun owners and gun dealers as well to to use these secure these locks and these storage boxes that secure a firearm. And it would find people who don't do that. Obviously has drawn some uh, reactions from conservatives who think it's just another way to nibble away at the Second Amendment, as they say. This will be an interesting one to follow. Another we've seen on the hot bills list pretty much ever since it was introduced, and it aims to make it a little bit more difficult for people to opt a child out of getting vaccinations. Generated a lot of controversy in certain circles, and it's continuing to move through the legislature. And they were really present at the state capitol over the last uh, week or two. I think one of them even brought a trombone. I think I heard that in the press room. You know, we could hear it from our office That's as right. we were working. <laughs> Another pretty popular bill has been the state insurance option bill or the public option, uh, as it was formerly known. And that mm. just passed out of committee. But kind of going back to coronavirus, we'll we'll see how far it goes. That was a pretty long hearing, right? It was. It lasted about five hours. Um, a lot of big hospital executives and people from the healthcare industry opposing the bill. But then you had a lot of... Uh, a lot of people from the public talking about their experiences with healthcare costs and how they wanted another option that would lower the the cost of healthcare that continues to rise. And I know this is considered one of the bigger bills of the session and a, a top priority yeah. for Governor Jared Polis. And it's attracted more than a million dollars in opposition advertising spending as well. It has. That was actually one of the things that they talked about at the committee hearing, too, is just you know, this bill has been so highly anticipated. Mm -hmm. It's midway through the session, finally gets introduced and... Now we don't know where it'll go. And it's being overshadowed by the topic we're going to be talking about for this week's episode of Purplish. The number of coronavirus cases in Colorado has been climbing as, as well as across the country. And lawmakers appear on the verge of taking this unprecedented step of temporarily closing the state capitol and suspending the legislative session. And I've been told the legislature has actually never shut down because of a health crisis. We have had snow days in the past, but nothing like this. So we're in uncharted territory here. Yeah, snow day is just a day, but it feels like the capitol has gone from a week ago, this didn't 
seem to be on anyone's radar, or maybe it was, but it wasn't on mine, to suddenly the last couple of days, like the whole machine has been grinding to a halt, getting ready to, to maybe shut down for a little while. Right. I mean, I attended a meeting a few weeks ago that was an emergency contingency plan meeting, and it was all very hypothetical. Hmm. But days later at the legislature, it felt like they're just rushing through. Uh, lawmakers are trying to figure out which bills are priority and which ones they need to, to get done before a what seems like inevitable shutdown. Yeah, they're in triage mode. And I think the state capitol is a, a building that's just a ripe environment for illness to spread. And I <laughs> talked to folks who, even though it was maybe more hypothetical, they were still concerned about the potential dangers, especially after the first coronavirus cases were reported in Colorado. I mean, we've got a state capitol building that's open to the public, mm-hmm. offers free tours. It's one of the biggest tourist attractions and has about a quarter of a million people visiting it annually. Well, and well, like you reported, just... You know, it feels like miles of rails and brass railings and things to touch and children running around and legislators, people from all over the world. And lobbyists and coming up the elevator, people are shoulder to shoulder. I mean, physically touching each other, whether they want to or not. It definitely is something you think about if you're opening doors or getting into the elevator or even just sitting in committee rooms. I mean, the seats are real close to each other. That's right. And there's a lot of knob-only doors. Like, you know, you can't elbow your way out of a door with a, with a circular doorknob. That's true. Because we're in this unprecedented situation, I think a lot of lawmakers are trying to figure out logistically what what do they do here? Do they adjourn? Do they press pause on the session and do this temporary halt and then come back and continue the session as if they'd never stopped it in the first place? And it's not just like a legal question, right? Right. Some of the legislative nonpartisan staff had said you could technically pause the session as long as it's 120 calendar days. That's all that really hmm. matters. Um, but you have... Republicans who are a little bit concerned about the constitutionality of it and whether that's something that they can actually do. They thought the session still has to end on May 6th regardless. Right. And that sounds like kind of complicated, but it leads to this big, simple question, like how many days are they going to have to do the legislation they want to do? And if you're the Democrats, you want more days because you have power. And for Republicans who are in the minority, a shorter session means less time for bills to pass that they don't like. Political leaders from both parties are playing nice about this. You're not seeing a lot of crossfire. They're they're not critiquing each other. They're putting their names on some of the last-minute bills that they need to run. They're doing those together in a bipartisan fashion. But you can see them laying the groundwork for this question of how to handle coming back from a break. And they may even go to the Colorado Supreme Court to ask for an opinion on on how many days they're going to have after they come back and how that'll work. Even without coronavirus, certain lawmakers think we should have a shorter legislative session anyway. I'm not Hmm. saying they're happy that we've got this health emergency, but just the concept of a shorter session is something they're going to be on board with. And after the governor declared his state of emergency, the legislature has more flexibility in terms of figuring out what to do next. They have to prioritize their bills. They obviously have to pass the budget. And so they're trying to figure out what they can do before they potentially shut down for the session. Under a state of emergency, the legislature falls under a different rule where they're asked to prioritize 
critical bills. And, and one of those critical bills is the state budget. It's the biggest outstanding responsibility, and it's actually the only bill lawmakers are constitutionally required to do. Hmm. And in a normal year, the, the powerful Joint Budget Committee, which crafts the budget, they wait until March to, to set the final numbers for how much the state's going to spend. And it's based on the latest forecast from government economists. We're expecting to get that forecast on March 17th. Lawmakers don't think it'll be good news. It ain't going to be pretty. Exactly. It's going to be a tougher budget. Right. So with the markets kind of in a terrible condition right now, that could mean significant implications for how much tax the government is collecting, how much money is available to, to spend on everyone's new ideas and new proposals. So besides just the shortened session or whatever happens to the session, it's going to be a big debate over yeah. whether there's money to pay for this stuff. As one lawmaker said, we are going to be cutting things we love. Absolutely. And they'll have to decide which of the bills that have bigger fiscal notes or, or will cost more money are actually going to be able to pass this session. That's right. House Speaker Casey Becker said that, you know, if your bill comes with a fiscal note with a significant cost, you should be thinking about how you're going to get that squared away and paid for. Right. <laughs> you know, hopefully you've considered that already, but you need to be prepared to fight for your costly bills. One thing that's worth noting is what happens if the state needs more money to deal with concerns related to coronavirus and lawmakers aren't in session. Mm. And I asked that question of Dominic Moreno. He's a Democratic senator. He's the vice chair of the Budget Committee. And he said because there's this emergency declaration, the governor has some ways to access money that don't require any legislative approval. There's two different funds. There's about $180 million in those funds. So the governor will be able to get that money if needed, although the legislature needs to replenish it in the next budget. So there would be budget implications for next year. Absolutely. And what I'm hearing from lawmakers is that they're not necessarily concerned about how to pay for coronavirus response. They're more concerned about how to fund their priorities for the year. And by the way, we mentioned a little bit about Governor Jared Polis's response declaring a state of emergency. In recent days before we recorded this, he has really ramped up his response, being a lot more visible in front of the press, announcing a lot of really specific actions, whether it's executive orders saying that the state is going to require paid leave for restaurant workers and other kind of workers. And we don't always see the governor being this visible. And Mm. I haven't heard concerns from lawmakers so far about how he's handling this. I haven't really heard any concerns either. If anything, I've heard that they're glad to know what direction the state is going and, and that the state is taking preventative measures. And now it's just figuring out where to go from here. There was a little bit of an information vacuum at first. We saw one day where reports of new cases started coming in from the counties individually. And the next day, the state government really got a handle on that, and they consolidated that information flow through Polis and his, and his executive branch. And I think right now the health department is trying to work on testing because the a state testing lab that was a drive-up facility had so much volume it had to, to shut down, and yeah. a lot of people were waiting in line. And that's something we're seeing across the country of people saying they're not able to get tests when they want to. Where we go from here is not where a lot of us thought we were going just a few weeks ago. Democrats are in charge of both legislative chambers and had some really significant priorities that all of us have been covering and thought for this latter half of the session, that's what we would be focusing on. Yeah, it's like right now, dozens of different stories have all kind of just become this one story. All the different priorities have just boiled down for now to how do we handle Corona? Yeah, 
And you have all these really big bills that were introduced or planning to be introduced at the second half of the session. And now coronavirus has kind of taken over and it's unclear in what direction they'll head. When you were in the committee hearing for the public option health bill, did you sense that people were more uncertain about what was going to happen? It was a little strange because you had some of the testimony focus on coronavirus. Some of the opponents of the bill who were coming from the hospital industry were using coronavirus to make their case against the bill and why it shouldn't pass. And then you had others testifying saying, this is the reason that we need the public option because they want to be able to be covered for certain for certain tests and, and for health care. Um, and so that was interesting. But in terms of whether the public option bill itself would move forward, that wasn't really a discussion at the committee hearing. But I talked to Representative Dylan Roberts, who is one of the sponsors on the bill, and he said that it would be a shame to not be able to move this forward because he keeps hearing from constituents that they need help now and that health care costs are continuing to rise. Yeah. But at the same time, he understands that it's out of his control and it's just kind of seeing what happens. That's exactly what Democratic Senator Kerry Donovan said, who represents Vail. We need to put the health and safety of the people that work and visit this building first. And secondarily, we'll figure out what to do with big legislation. Well, picking up on the theme session was just discussing about how coronavirus became the topic for this big public option bill. We see the same thing happening on other bills, too, like suddenly the idea of paid leave is newly relevant. Right. Like I mentioned earlier, Polis has ordered some degree of paid leave for certain workers. A lot of people are jumping on this to say, this is the reason that we need paid leave. You need to be able to go home without fear of losing your job or you know, not being able to pay rent if you're sick. And that's one of the big bills that was supposed to move through in the second half of the session. Yeah. <laughs> I talked to one of the main sponsors and she said she would try to make the case that this is a critical bill that needs to pass along huh. with budget and education funding because of coronavirus. She said it just highlights why we need paid leave because otherwise people go to work sick. But some of those bills also will require a lot of money and with the budget kind of where it's at. It's just unclear what can actually be funded. That's right. Paid leave was going to have a, a hard fight because regardless of what happened, because it's getting into the second half of the session and they were still making big, big changes, as we reported, to the bill. And it's pretty controversial, too. And now it suddenly has so many more distractions to deal with as, it, as they try to get that bill through. I think one lawmaker summed it up when he said, we're just taking things hour by hour at this point. We've heard a lot of responses along the lines of, it's a fluid situation, uh, we're in conversation. And, you know, a lot of times that annoys me because I think it's not true. But in this case, it really is a fluid situation. And it definitely feels like it walking around the Capitol. Now it's time for our final segment, which is a little less policy heavy. It's where we take a look at something that just gave us a little pause at the Capitol, made us think, Wait, what? And that's the name of the segment. Exactly. Well, um, I'm a collector of unusual metaphors. I love them. The Capitol has been a boon for this. And I wanted to <laughs> yeah. share with you uh, one that I heard from Senator Paul Lundeen. And it's the slow creep. It's the, the question, how do you steal a loaf of bologna? You don't walk into the deli and grab the whole loaf of bologna and walk out. You take it a slice at a time. And pretty soon you've managed to take the entire loaf of bologna. A loaf of bologna. I think I'll use that. <laughs> I looked it up. It comes in a chub. But, you know, that was a, that was a fresh take on boiling a frog. 
So I had a little wait what moment as well on the Senate floor. There was a woman sitting at the press table and it's a pretty small group that covers the Capitol. And so she wasn't a reporter and another journalist asked me, who's that woman? I "I don't know. And so she sat there. There was a lengthy discussion actually on coronavirus and what it meant if we adjourned. And so it was people taking these moments of personal privilege to, to talk about it. It got fairly lengthy. She wasn't taking notes, still wondered who she was. Right before the Senate adjourned, they were doing some type of tribute, and she got up and she was there doing American Sign Language for someone who was going to be watching the tribute from home and wasn't going to be able to hear it. And I guess I didn't realize we did that, you know, because you can watch the legislature on the Colorado Channel. Yeah. You can see it on TV. We don't usually have people signing. Yeah, and you don't think about the, the audience at home watching. I'm glad they do that. Mm-hmm. So that's it for this week's episode. Purplish is a production of member-supported Colorado Public Radio. Learn about becoming a member and join today at CPR.org. I'm Benta Berkland with my colleague Andrew Kenny and the Denver Post, Seja Hindi. This episode was produced by Shane Rumsey and edited by Megan Verlee. Our executive producer is Rachel Estabrook. CPR's head of audio innovations is Brad Turner, who also composed our theme music. If you're enjoying Purplish, help others find us. Like and review the show on iTunes. And to keep up with everything we've talked about this week and more, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Andy KNNY. I'm at Benta Berkland. And I'm at Saja Hindi. We'll be back in your podcast feeds next week. Until then, this is Purplish from CPR News.